The Oklahoma Sooners get set to take on Kent State Saturday evening in Norman. We're going to have our keys to the game on both sides of the football, as well as our betting preview for the weekend's action on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh On Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from nine to noon on ninety four seven The Ref and Norman. Josh, we got another great weekend of college football heading our way starting with Oklahoma Kent State I mean that's the game that we're most interested in maybe not starting with but 6 p.m on Saturday night Oklahoma Kent State it's just great isn't it I mean we get to do this well for the next several months every single week yeah there's like the one bye week in there but there will still be other football to watch it's just it's Christmas morning every Saturday it's so so good I love it offensively we we like what we saw in game one 45 to 13 over utep it wasn't perfect second quarter would be an area that probably you really kind of pinpoint and say okay well that was the quarter that wasn't great for oklahoma had some hiccups along the way in the second quarter just big keys for kent state what do you want to see offensively from the sooners I'd like to see him open up the passing game a little bit more. I mean, Dylan Gabriel only had 23 attempts. He was efficient. He was productive. He was good. Had a couple misfires, but that's just going to happen in any football game. You're, it's going to be a rarity that you see a quarterback have an absolutely perfect game. And so I'd like to see them open up the passing offense just a little bit more. It takes more shots down the field. In watching Kent State versus Washington, they're definitely susceptible on kind of corner routes to the sideline, down the sidelines a little bit. They've got some bigger corners. So I think this is going to be an opportunity for Oklahoma to use its speed, especially Marvin Mims on the outside, to get down the field and beat these guys. I think it might be a little bit more of a tougher matchup for Theo Weiss, a bigger receiver who – can generally take advantage of smaller corners. He'll have to use his quickness, his agility to, to win, to win out in the routes. So that's, that's kind of one of the things I want to see from Oklahoma before we get into conference play. I think we're going to be able to run the football and, and I mean, they're going to be able to move the football regardless through the air on the ground. It doesn't matter. I just like to see them find some success when it's, Hey, we're going to come out this drive and we're going to throw the football. I think that's kind of what they ran into in that second quarter against UTEP is they tried to do that and it didn't work out. They weren't efficient. They weren't moving the ball, weren't moving the chains. And so they had to kind of reestablish the running game to get things going towards the end of the, of the second quarter into the, into halftime. So I'd like to see them be able to make it a point of emphasis for a drive and find some success because there are going to be drives where you're going to have to maybe play a little bit of catch up. You're going to be in your two minute offense. Can you do that? Can you find success when the other team is expecting you to throw it? I'd like to see Oklahoma come out and just say, we're going to, for the next six plays, we're going to throw the football just to get more hurry up going. Yeah, that'll be good to see. It'd be nice to see Oklahoma execute that to get a little bit more of that tempo down. And then just to, hey, if we want to throw the football, 
we're going to throw the football. And I'm kind of the same way about running the football in this game, right? I mean, look, it's Kent State. You ought to be able to have Eric Gray do exactly what he did in week one. I'd like to see a little bit more of Marcus Major. So just the continuation of that, I think, in the run game would be good for Oklahoma. To see OU's offensive line across the board, just a clean game, right? Push, push Kent State around in the run game and pass protect better than probably they did in week one. So those are a couple of things offensively that, that come to mind. And then, you know, the, the other thing that comes to mind, John, is this. The first play from scrimmage, right? First play of this season. Over the top, looking for Marvin Mims. I, I want to see a couple of those get connected this week. And I want to see that happen pretty quickly for Oklahoma because, you know, Dylan Gabriel, he, he looked good. He looked sharp. I told you uh, earlier this week, one of my first takeaways was, okay, Dylan Gabriel does look like he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. But again, you know, if there was one area that maybe you want to see a little bit more coming out of week one from Dylan Gabriel, it's that. So let's see Oklahoma get vertical and not just with Marvin Mims. I want to see that that wealth gets spread around among Oklahoma's receivers. And that's kind of where I stand right now is seeing a little bit more of the downfield passing game connecting more frequently. And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about too, with the offensive line, just being able to push Kent state around a little bit. I'll be curious if we get one Morris back this week. I don't think we're going to know that until we know it. And I think Brent Venables kind of mentioned that it's like, he'll be out there when he's out there sort of a thing. So I think that kind of plays a bit of a key, but also, you know, if Tyler Guyton's able to get a second start under his belt, that's a great thing, especially for the future. You know, if we get another, you know, start from McCabe Mattire over there at left guard, hopefully that gets him a little bit more prepared for what they're going to see against Nebraska. And then in the big 12 schedule, this is a team that Oklahoma should be able to dominate. You know, you, you look at what Washington did last week, you know, Michael Penix jr. Threw for 345 yards. He averaged 8.8 yards per attempt and 10.9 air yards per attempt. So on average, he was throwing the ball to the sticks every single time on average. Now, obviously that's not going to be the case, but I mean, he was slinging the ball downfield and they were having a lot of success. Washington was, I think this is going to be a game where we see the kind of the big passing performance from Dylan Gabriel, because Kent state's kind of ripe for the picking on that front. I agree with you. I want to see a little bit more Marcus Major. It was good to see him get the seven carries and, and have a big run and be effective and efficient. I'd like to see that kind of balloon to 10. You know, Give him a little bit more of a workload. And even kind of later in the game, if the game is salted away like we expect it to be, keep him in there. Let him continue to carry the ball, even with the, the second string offensive line. Before you go to Javante Barnes and Tawi Walker, let Marcus Major get a little, little bit more work. You know, Start kind of gearing him up to – potentially be one of your features later in the season or even next season. Like see what you've got. If you have to go to him for 20 carries a game, do you feel confident in doing that? Start kind of building up that workload a little bit. You know, this is probably not maybe the first thing that we would talk about or think about because you think, okay, well, we, we want to see left guard be better, right? We want to see Oklahoma's offensive line push these guys around. Run game looks good. Pass game there, getting all sorts of these chunk plays. And all of this is true, right? I want to see that. I've I've told you earlier this week, too, that to me, I I want to just top to bottom, not just the explosive plays down the field in the pass game, John, that we mentioned right here, but just collectively, I want to see more receivers involved for Oklahoma this week. But beyond that, right, just the way Oklahoma operates, I think is really important this week, right? 
no, no illegal motions, right? No false starts. Look like you're ready for Power 5 football this week versus Kent State. All that procedural stuff, I don't want to see those mistakes this week. Look to me and to John and to you, Sooner Nation, like this is a team that's ready to head up to Lincoln and do, uh, well, drop a you-know-what kind of whooping on the, the Huskers. Yeah, to your point about the wide receivers, I mean, not not many guys got opportunities. Now, again, they had it kind of salted away late in the game, but you only had seven receivers or seven pass catchers get targets, only five wide receivers get targets in the game, according to Pro Football Focus. And then just offensively, uh, I mean, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You had eight receivers see action, uh, but you know, three of those guys just saw, saw fewer than 10 snaps. Gavin Freeman, Jaden Gibson and LV Bunkley Shelton. So yeah, getting more of those guys involved. I think that's, that's huge. And then like you mentioned, man, you can't have the the basic penalties. I mean, penalties are going to happen, but you can't have false starts, especially if you're a team that wants to play fast. I'm sure that's something that coach Levy, coach Biedenboe harped on this week uh, in, in practice and film room is like, listen, for us to go fast, we can't have false starts. Got to be on the same page, especially in our home stadium. Like we can't have that. That's not acceptable because once you get on the road, especially next week when they go to Lincoln, it's going to be a more much more raucous environment, and those false start penalties are going to be more apt to happen. There, there, there's a greater likelihood of them happening, so we got to try and cut down on that while we're still at home. We're going to go to the defensive side of the football next. We're going to talk about what Oklahoma needs to do, who we want to see kind of step up, make some big plays. But first, let's talk to you about Bet Online. It's the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information. And they've got the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online is where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe to the show over there as well. So, Josh, we're going to talk the defensive side of the football. It was a really strong performance from Oklahoma. Week one, the defense allowed just one or less than one yard per carry against the run. The passing game or the pass defense was pretty good. They were pretty solid. They played a lot of zone coverage. What are you looking to see them do this week that they didn't do last week? Kind of what's your big key against Kent State? Turnovers. Want to see a couple of them. I think it's important that this group establishes, hey, we're a defense that is going to turn you over. It's, again, I keep coming back to the important things that you would typically see from good football teams, whether that's procedurally, offensively, procedurally, defensively, right? I mean, don't don't jump across the line of scrimmage. No offsides penalties. Don't give up any freebies. But then beyond that, just the characteristics that make up a great defense. Okay, let's get some deflections at the, the line of scrimmage if you're Oklahoma. Just that the defensive line did nice things in the run defense department last week. Okay, let's crank it up a notch. Let's uh, get more of what you saw from a Reggie Grimes in the pass rush department. And let's do it in other ways. Let's get hands up. Let's deflect some passes. And let's get those into the arms of Billy Bowman and others, right? I mean, just however you can create a turnover. Let's punch a football loose. Let's strip a football out. I want to see that this week, that Oklahoma, okay, this defense, hey, we're getting some takeaways. And 
Kent State's a team that will turn the ball over on you. They had three last week. Their quarterback, Colin Shee, had two interceptions, including the first pass attempt of the game. So this is a team that you can create some turnovers against. I think they were close. I mean, Billy Bowman had got his big one hand on one at one point in time. So I think they're going to start creating some turnovers. They're, they're a team that's close. I, I know we hate to say that they're close after last year when they were so close, oh, so close to apparently leaving for USC. I think that we've got the playmakers, whether it's Woody Washington, Key Lawrence, Billy Bowman in the secondary, Danny Stutzman, David Aguebu at the linebacker position. And then, you know, the guys up front, I think we saw, we talked about it on yesterday's show, just the ferocity in which that defensive front is playing. There's some strip sacks coming. Like they're going to force fumbles on the quarterback at some point in time because they are getting to the quarterback a lot. They're creating a lot of pressure. I mean, Jalen Redmond, he he had his hands on Hardison a couple times, and the dude's just a big quarterback that was able to, to break away. I think turnover's coming. I'm not too concerned about that. For me, it, it's some of the tackling. I mean, the tackling was better than what it was in the season opener a year ago, but they still missed 11 tackles. So that's something I want to see them do better at. Again, you know, UTEP's got some really good skill position players. They had a big bruising running back. Kent State's got that as well. And they've got some nice skill players on the outside. So let's be more efficient at tackling this week and hopefully just not miss any. Obviously, that's the goal. But I mean, if you do miss that, the, the next guy's just right there as opposed to missing out in the open field and then there's nobody for five yards. Like those are the kind of hard, hard misses to take when you're kind of out there on an Island and you're not able to like just hold them up at all. So that's something I'll be watching for as well. Is there a player that you think needs to kind of step up and have a big game to kind of solidify themselves as part of either the starting lineup or the defensive rotation? Well, I'm curious to see a little bit more from Justin Harrington, just because again, that's somebody we heard so much about and I got to give you the tip of the cap. You were kind of on this beat from the beginning that no, nah, I, I think that Sean White's going to get some serious uh, snaps back there for Oklahoma, obviously a different position for Deshaun White. He's splitting that with Justin Harrington, but Oh, after one week, didn't really, didn't really split it with Justin Harrington. Did he? I mean, a lot of those snaps back there went to Deshaun White. So um, if Justin Harrington gets the chance to play, if that snap count goes up this week, then show me something with that snap count, right? Be impactful. I want to see, I want to see with my own two eyes what uh, all this buzz was about with Mr. Harrington. So that's somebody that, you know, that if we didn't see a lot of really last week that if we get the chance to see, okay, we'll go make some plays. And you're right. Deshaun White, he played 59 snaps on defense. Justin Harrington, just 23. Uh, Harrington was impactful. He had four tackles in the game. He did look like he was you know, playing fast. So that's a good sign. It'll be, I'll be curious to see how that split works a little bit this week. I mean, Deshaun White, he's the experienced guy. I, I think for me, I want to see more from kind of Key Lawrence and, and Justin Broyles. I mean, they they were solid, but I just never felt like they showed up. You know what I mean? Like they just didn't pop off the screen to me. Now, we don't have the benefit of all 22 game film to, to look at. Hey, Greg Sankey, when you're formulating the new SEC, can you create a SEC game pass, much like the NFL's version, so we can get some all 22 film? It's hard to see what the secondary is doing just on the, the broadcast view of the game. So it's hard to, to completely judge their performances, but it just 
they didn't have any of those kind of wow moments for me. And that's not to say that that means that they had a bad game. But when you, you see guys like Danny Stutzman stand out and Billy Bowman stand out, uh, you know, Woody Washington, who was targeted once, just absolutely blanket a guy and not allow any separation at all. Uh, Reggie Grimes standing out and Ethan Downs making splash plays. Like I want to see some splash plays out of guys like Key Lawrence in particular, because down the stretch last year, he was one of Oklahoma's better defenders, if not their best defender. And I think they're going to need him to be an impactful player on this defense for them to kind of go from being a, a solid defense to a good defense to potentially even a great defense in 2022. I'm with you. I have been one of the, one of the yell leaders over here for the key Lawrence bandwagon, the, the cheer brigade for key Lawrence. I think that he's potential star for Oklahoma. We saw a bunch of that last season, the corner experiment. Okay. Yeah. We all know that didn't really work for key Lawrence, but it's safety. He's been really, really good for OU. And again, at times last year was Oklahoma's best defensive player. So I would love to see again, more of what we saw a year ago, but have that, be in tandem with what we saw from Billy Bowman, right? Have that be in tandem with what we saw from, from Woody Washington at the corner position, probably just opposite Woody Washington. That's another area you could look at and say, okay, well, let's see that continue to look really, really good for Oklahoma versus Kent state, because quite frankly, it should, right? I mean, Oklahoma in this game, I'd like to see them, like we said, off the top defensively create some turnovers, but just the defensive backfield don't give up easy completions make this look difficult this week versus Kent State we'll see I mean part of that's John how vanilla or Rocky Road uh, if I can use a Brent Venables illustration there how, how you know how much of each is Oklahoma going to be are they going to use the full playbook are they still wanting to stay vanilla in front of the Nebraska game I mean it would make sense if uh, they wanted to be a little bit more vanilla but if you're telling me that they're using a little bit more of the playbook then I don't want all of those easy completions this week. I want that to look more competitive than some of those just little uh, passes that UTEP was able to pick them apart in some of the zone looks last week. Yeah, that's kind of where I stand a little bit too is, like you said, be more competitive in zone. I'd like to see them play more just straight up man-to-man, more press man. Uh, we saw the one snap, I, the one that snapped that stood out with Woody Washington where they had him, I was like third and 15 or something like that, and they had Woody Washington playing press man. Like I want to see more of that because that's part of what, comes with a an aggressive suffocating defense is playing more man-to-man coverage more press on the outside zone defense that just creates opportunities for you to have busted coverages in zone so i want to see a little bit more man-to-man i think this is going to be a big time performance from the defense i think the best thing that could have happened was kind of the thing that we criticized the most is that lull that happened for both the offense and the defense in the second quarter but that gave the coaches quite a bit of game tape and teaching tape to be like, listen, we let down here. We kind of let down our guard. We let them back into it a little bit. I think that's a good thing for this team as they get ready for their kind of the Kent state matchup and then getting ready for the the heart of their schedule uh, coming up um, starting with Nebraska. I think to know like, Hey, we can't just let off the gas just because we go up 21, nothing. We got to keep our foot on the pedal and keep driving forward and keep, you know, plowing away because teams can, you know, they can get themselves back into games if we go to sleep on ourselves. So I, that's kind of overarching thing. I think that's the thing we both want to see here is play a complete game. Don't have any lulls. That doesn't mean you're not going to go three and out or, or have to punt or, you know, allow any scores, but the energy has to stay up 
And I think that's part of the reason they had that lull. All right, we're going to turn the page now. It is now time for our week two college football picks. Lines here are going to be courtesy of Bet Online. So make sure you go ahead on over to Bet Online. Again, that number one source for all your betting needs. And we're going to we're going to stay in the Big 12. There's a lot of great games across the country, but there are nine games in the Big 12. We don't have a line for TCU, who is hosting Tarleton. Um, so we're not going to cover that one. I think we both would imagine that Tar- TCU is going to run away with that game. But we'll just stick with the games that Bet Online has provided lines for here in the Big 12. And we'll start with Missouri traveling to take on the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State is favored by seven and a half points and the over under is sitting at 56 and a half. Josh, I'll let you lead off on this one. How do you, how do you lean? Well, I don't know why I'm super confident in this because really week one wasn't altogether impressive from your boy, Adrian Martinez and really collectively from Kansas State offensively. I think they, did they have a couple of special team scores in week one, I know they had um, at least one. But anyways, I like Kansas State to win this game by a couple of scores in Manhattan. There's the old, not so very fond feelings for Missouri factor at play in this game from Bill Snyder Family uh, Stadium up there. So I think that kind of the, the crowd's going to be juiced up there in the little apple for this one. They want to embarrass Missouri. And I do think that Adrian Martinez plays better. And uh, ultimately, too much Deuce Vaughn in my opinion, up in up in uh, the little apple. I think Kansas State looks good for the first time really in 2022, and I think they do it versus Missouri. Do you think they hit the over or the under here? Uh, I, I would probably say 56 and a half there. I, I think Kansas State's winning this game and plays good defensively. I think it's going to be probably slightly under, slightly under that number. I'm thinking something around the range of uh, – 27 to 17 something in that ballpark yeah i could i could feel that so i'm gonna i'm gonna take missouri in the points man it it is really hard for me to imagine kansas state being a a seven and a half point favorite here adrian martinez was pro football focus's lowest graded quarterback out of the big 12 out of 17 quarterbacks he was the lowest graded so that includes your backup players as well i'm not going to get into all the things and all the feelings i have about adrian martinez i just have a hard time believing that missouri is that much worse than Kansas state. So I'm going to take the seven and a half points and I'm going to take them to to hit the over. I think it's going to be kind of one of those weird games that gets up into the, you know, high twenties, low thirties on both sides where it's something like a 34 30 kind of a game uh, that, that Missouri ends up winning. All right. This is kind of the one that's being billed as the marquee matchup in the conference, but that's just because the number one, number one team in the nation, the Alabama Crimson Tide, are heading to Austin to play the Texas Longhorns. Alabama's favored by 20 points by bet online. 20, and the over-under sits at 65. Josh, how are you feeling about this one? Well, I'm doing the math, and I've I've got it literally right at the over-under, <laughs> the, the, the number I'm thinking in my head. I think this is going to be complete domination by Alabama. I just the, – the fact that it's in Austin – I think super hot is not really, you know, versus a team like Alabama. I don't know that that's great for the Longhorns. Like, you know, really hot day down at Texas against a team in Alabama that what have they done for years and years and years? They've gone and played for national championships. They're known for their toughness. Like none of this to me sets up for Texas to play well outside of the fact that Obviously, the game's in Austin. But again, with that heat, the way that it's going to be this weekend in Austin, 
I don't know that that sets up for Texas to play all that great versus Alabama. Plus, Alabama's just better at every single position on the football field. This is Alabama's first chance to make a statement in 2022. I This is my lock of the week. I think Alabama wins this thing by at least three touchdowns. I think it's going to be much more than that. So I'm going I'm going Alabama 52, Texas. I'll say 20, they get a garbage score or something late. But this is 52-20, and it looks much worse than that. At what point in this game are we going to start feeling bad for a guy like Bijan Robinson? Because it's going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough physical uh, contest for him. I'm, I'm leaning the same way as you. I think Alabama wins this one, and they cover big time against Texas. The SEC is just a hot conference. Like all those games are being played in high temperatures with high humidity. So I'm not concerned about Alabama playing in the heat in Austin. I think. I think the game does go over, but mostly because of Alabama, not necessarily because of Texas. And, and so, yeah, to me, this is Alabama. You know, I mentioned that Adrian Martinez was pro football focused lowest graded quarterback in the big 12 from week one. You know, who was number two Quinn Ewers, the second lowest graded quarterback, according to pro football focus in the big 12 last week. So does not bode well for him. Now it's early in his career. This game does not tell the whole story for what Quinn Ewers could be at quarterback, but it's not going to go well for him. All right, next one, Houston traveling to the, the wasteland of West Texas in Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Texas Tech is favored by three and a half points, which basically puts this one as a push. How do you lean on this one, Josh? Yeah, I like Houston to win it outright. I, I do. Um, I need to see it to believe it with Texas Tech. Uh, just kind of going off who Texas Tech has been historically, John, I do like the over. In this game, I mean, I like this thing to finish up, you know, maybe maybe right at the the over. But uh, I do think 34, 31, something like that in favor of Houston. They find a way to put plenty of points on the on the board on the road. Texas Tech, you're going to have to show me that you can beat a good opponent before I expect you to beat a good opponent in 2022. Yeah, I'm kind of going the same way as you. I, I think. Houston is the better football team at this point. That doesn't mean Texas isn't going to grow into it, but they're just more ready to, to contend. A lot of people consider them to potentially be the group of five team that could bust the top four this year and make the college football playoff just because, you know, Dana Holgerson's a really good coach. They've got a lot of their offensive pieces back as well. And it's a team that's going to put up a lot of points. I just don't think Texas tech is quite there yet. Uh, so I think we both hit, we're both saying Houston, we're both taking the over here. Now, this one is going to be near and dear to your heart as the managing editor of Hawkeyes Wired, Josh. Uh, Iowa State travels to uh, Iowa to, I mean, what's this, what city do they play in? And I, the Hawkeyes play Iowa in Iowa City. Iowa City. Thank you. I completely blanked on that. Uh, but Iowa is a three and a half point favorite after their offense scored just four or just what, three points? Yeah, three week. points. Yeah, the defense outscored the offense. The defense had two safeties. They scored yeah. four points, and yeah, the offense had a field goal. I do think offensively Iowa's going to play a lot better this week. Uh, and actually, maybe this is crazy to say, South Dakota State might be a better defensive football team than Iowa State. Now, that remains to be seen, and we'll see. I really like Will McDonald, obviously, as an NFL talent. I'm just saying collectively top to bottom. South Dakota State's a really good FCS team. I know that, you know, just – off the label of it being an FCS team, we're like, yeah, you know, but you got to – and I agree. 
Don't don't get me twisted. It's embarrassing to not score a touchdown versus an FCS team, but South Dakota State is one of the best FCS teams just for whatever that's worth, right? Just for whatever that's worth. This is a series that Iowa has dominated. They've won this game six times in a row. Um, Matt Campbell, for all of the positive things that he's done in Ames, he's never beaten his arch rival in the Iowa Hawkeyes. So until that happens, I'm not going to pick it to happen, though just coming off the heels of last week, Hunter Deckers looked good. Uh, Yeah, they didn't play Iowa State as good of an opponent as Iowa did at the FCS level. So, you know, how how much can you read into both results? We'll see. Ultimately, I'm just putting my trust, John, in the fact that Jack Campbell and Riley Moss and Iowa defensively is filthy. And that crowd at Kinnick is going to obviously help the Hawkeyes out. I think they make enough plays offensively to win this game. I don't think they cover the spread. I mean, I, I, I don't think it goes over. I don't think Iowa covers the spread. I'm thinking one of these 20 to 17 scores we've seen in this game in the past. And that's kind of where I land on this too. Like Iowa may win this game, but I think Iowa state keeps it close enough that they cover that they, you know, they hit that three and a half. I even think Iowa state might win it. You know, this is a, uh, an Iowa team that looks kind of ripe for the picking a little bit um, after a game where their offense only scored three points. And I mean, I'm not necessarily a big hundred deckers believer, but he kind of showed something last week as a passer that I hadn't seen before. I knew he was an athlete with his, with his legs. He can move around, make plays that way. But if he can throw the ball, and even if he's you know a 55% you know, passer, I think that's going to give Iowa State a good chance to like get that first win over Iowa in the Matt Campbell era. So give me Iowa State plus the points and the under as well. Um, Kansas at West Virginia. This is To me, this is a really, really fun matchup like with what Kansas has been doing over the last, you know, last three, four games of the 2021 season to kick off the 2022 season. I'm really intrigued by this game. Battle of the Daniels at quarterback. So you got obviously JT Daniels at West Virginia and Jalen Daniels there at uh, Kansas, who's, you know, done some nice things for the Jayhawks. That 13 and a half spread, it's uh, enticing to take Kansas on it because again, they have played better. And I do think this is an improving program, but I'm not going hook, line, and sinker on it just based off what Kansas did to Tennessee Tech. I do think West Virginia lost to a good Pittsburgh team. I don't know if it was, you know, once it's all said and done, a top 25 Pittsburgh team, but I think certainly a bowl Pittsburgh team uh, that West Virginia lost to. So no real shame in that, the way that that one played out. I do like West Virginia. I think they're covering the uh, two touchdowns here. And, you know, I I, – I guess I think it's staying under something like, I don't know, 30, 35, 35, 17, something in that ballpark. All right. Kansas is back. I'm going to start that hashtag. No, I, I think Kansas covers, or I think they hit with the points. They, they might lose this game, but I think they're with the 13 and a half. I think they're going to, to kind of get the win on this one. I like West Virginia. I mean, that loss to Pitt, man, that was brutal. That was such a tough loss. JT Daniels played pretty good. That interception late in the game went right through his wide receiver's hands, like literally right through his hands. If you want to look up the definition of that, like that was that. Um, I I think West Virginia is a solid team. I think they're going to be one of the middle of the pack teams in the Big 12 this year. I just can't help but look to what has been built in that first year under Lance Leipold 
I mean, he barely had any spring with Kansas, turned them into a team that beat Texas on the road, uh, lost by six to West Virginia last year. Uh, they lost by three against TCU. Uh, and then they had, you know, Oklahoma kind of on the ropes for a half, uh, in the middle of the season. So give me Kansas plus the points. Uh, and I'm going to take the over on this. I think it's going to be one of those kind of high scoring affairs where, I mean, it might not reach 57, 56, like they did against Texas, but I think it's going to be a game that where both teams get into the thirties and score a little bit. All right. Now this is the one that you all have been waiting for. The Oklahoma Sooners hosting the Kent State Golden Flashes. Oklahoma is favored by 33 points, and the over-under sits at 73, Josh. Yeah, well, I mean, as they typically are, another great over-under. I'm I'm thinking it stays under because I think Oklahoma runs the football effectively. I do think we see a lot of what we want to see in this football game, and – Ultimately, I think OU's covering the spread. So I'm going to say 52-17 Sooners. That is, what, 35 better, 35 to the good for Oklahoma. I think we do see a couple of turnovers from OU. A couple of drives late maybe that Kent State's able to put together. Maybe one in the, you know, one surprise first quarter drive, one surprise late second quarter drive. I don't know when it will be early or late. But generally speaking, I think Oklahoma dominates this football game for the most part, start to finish. I think we see a lot of the same things positively we saw in the run game. And uh, I think Dylan Gabriel, especially down the field, John, I think we're going to see Oklahoma get vertical in this game and be very successful. Excuse me. Yeah, I predicted, you know, Dylan Gabriel will have 300 yards passing four touchdowns last week. This is the week it's going to be able to happen. He's going to average something like 12, 13 yards per attempt. And Marvin Mims goes over 100 yards. Eric Gray, again, another 100-yard game. I even think that they could have 200-yard rushers between Eric Gray and Marcus Major. I think it's going to be one of those 500 yards of total offense kind of a games. And I'm with you. I think Oklahoma gets into the 50s. They're going to cover this one. It's always hard like when you see 30-plus points. I mean, sometimes even 25-plus points on a spread that you have a hard time you know, giving those points up. But I just think Oklahoma, after what they did last week, you know, they – won by 32 last week. I think this week they're going to win by more. So I'm with you. They get into the fifties. Kent state's not going to get into the twenties. So give me Oklahoma minus the points, but I think, I think you're right. It's going to be under. Um, that's kind of where I would stand on that one. All right. Just kind of bold prediction. Who's going to be the, the player of the game before we get out of here. Player of the game for Oklahoma. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Marvin Mims. I mean, I know that that's pretty, <laughs> you know, it's not a surprising answer, but I just think Oklahoma is really going to make a point to get the ball down the field. I was, I was so close to saying Jaleel Farouk for you just because it was a little bit different, but then, then my, you know, mind out wrestled or out arm wrestled my heart uh, and, it's just, it's going to be Marvin Mims, man. It's going to be Marvin Mims because he's the best receiver on Oklahoma. That's who's going to get the most targets. And oh, by the way, Oklahoma is going to be super successful getting him the football this week. So I look for him to have a monster day, man. I, I agree with what you said earlier. It's, it's going to be a 500 plus total yardage offensive day for OU. However, that like the final version of that, whatever that looks like, Marvin Mims will be a big piece of that. A minimum of five receptions and upwards of uh, triple digit yardage. 
Yeah, and I'll go on the defensive side of the football just for a defensive player of the game. And I'm going to say Jalen Redmond. He was he had three pressures last week, had his hands on Hardison a few times, looked to be a guy that was getting off the ball well. I think this is going to be the game where he just like breaks out and puts everybody on notice that Oklahoma's got, not only do they have really good pass rush off the edge, but they're going to have a really strong interior pass rush with Jalen Redmond as well. I think he's going to get a couple sacks and one or two more tackles for loss in the running game. He's just about to have a monster performance against Kent State. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Again, go check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the show over there and hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef and follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And until next time, we'll catch you then. Have fun this weekend. Enjoy a great slate of college football action and Boomer Sooner.